Did you know I have three number one best-selling books on Amazon? So regardless of your level, there's a book for you. Psychic Senses, How to Develop Your Intuition, Psychic and Medium Gifts, Leap of Faith, How to Build Your Own Spiritual Practice, and Coffee with Colby, 365 Cups of Fresh Brewed Spirit Messages. So regardless of your level, there's a book for you. Give one as a gift, keep one for yourself. You can find them on Amazon or my website, colbyrebel.com. Sometimes I feel like a star, but only strictly where I'm famous. I'm in this foot along this hall, like we'll see where it takes us. I'm throwing back these double shots like whiskey here is weightless. Cause, cause this career I chose was even riskier than Vegas, yo. Oh, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Colby Rebel Show. I am your host, Colby Rebel where today we have a very, very special guest in the house with us. Uh, you may have seen him on a previous episode, and I am so grateful that he has agreed to return. He is an amazing psychic, award-winning author, and of course, a spiritual channel. He has written several books, and we're going to talk about those books. We're going to talk about channeling, and we're really going to go ahead and discuss how spirit works. So please put your hands together for Paul Selleck. Hi there, Paul. How are you? I'm good. Nice to see you. Thanks. It's really good to see you, and thank you again for coming back and uh, and spending time with us here. And, you know, last time we got to know a little bit about what you do and you were able to share, but I kind of want to dive in a little bit more today if we can. Mm -hmm. We talk about the spiritual experience you had, I believe it was 1987, that kind of really started to give you the clairvoyance, which is the ability to see. What, mm -hmm. Can you share that experience? Can you tell us what happened? <laughs> you know, I was 25, you know, I was just starting to open up spiritually. Um, I heard that there was this thing happening called the harmonic convergence and the people were going to be waking up. And I thought, well, you know, if there is a God or something like a God and you ask to be woken up, why would it want to say no? So I, I went up to the roof of the building I was living in in New York City at that time, the night before this event and asked to be woken up. And I was trying to teach myself how to meditate. And somebody had given me a crystal and a mantra and I thought you needed those things, the props. And um, I was extremely earnest and I ended up having an experience of energy, which people later said sounded like uh, Kundalini awakening. I, for all I know, I was hyperventilating. I have no <laughs> idea. It was an experience of energy moving through my body and out through the top of my head that sort of left me frozen on the roof. And it turned out that the mantra I was given was a Kundalini mantra. I didn't know what Kundalini was. I didn't even know what a mantra was. But I had this experience that for, was for me very palpable energetically. And for me, it was a marker more than anything else, regardless of perhaps what it meant or what it really was. So um, that was the beginning. I mean, I started seeing these little lights around people after that. So that was the beginning of this journey that's continued onward. Oh, I love that. Now, you also worked on hearing spirit as well. So now you hear spirit. How did that mm -hmm. open up for you as well? 
Well, I started to feel energy at around 25 without really knowing what was going on. You know, I was beginning to have some experiences with it. And in order to get a context for this stuff, I was sent to an energy healer myself to work with. And then I ended up getting the courage to train myself. This was back in the days when very few people were really doing this kind of thing. And um, I studied a form of energy healing with one with this woman who had been one of the first, I think, 13 Reiki masters in the U.S., although she was no longer doing Reiki when I worked with her. She was doing her own thing. And um, I was volunteering at a center for people who were living with life-challenging illness. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic in New York, and it was something that I could do. And I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I began to hear things for them. So if I had my hand on your chest and I heard the name Arthur, I learned to say, who's Arthur? And you'd say, my husband, my son, my dog, whatever. And as I kept getting confirmation for what I was hearing, I began to trust it more. And what I was really doing was opening up a channel or opening up a, a system of communication. Um, then I started doing a little group that met in my apartment, and then I met for 18 years. Nobody knew about this. You sort of had to be invited or know somebody. It wasn't my, the way I was making a living. I was a college teacher. But the very first group that I convened in my apartment, thinking I would just do energy work and a meditation, I started hearing the guides, you know, I mean, and it never stopped. It just refined as I continued to be willing to be worked with, and frankly, as I kept showing up, over all those years, yeah. I feel that the system that I have and my skill set was improved through the practice. Um, and it was only about 11 years ago um, that they began dictating books. And they began dictating books as soon as I had become willing to record and transcribe what they were saying. They, they began lecturing through me in about 2008. Before then, I was hearing fragments and specific instruction, but I started hearing paragraphs okay. and then chapters. And now, you know, they dictate entire books that are really just the the recordings of these sessions, you know, transcribed and then published as is. You know, we don't go back and correct them or, or do anything like that. Yeah, I remember last time we spoke, you said you channel it and you don't even go back and edit. You don't look at the grammar or anything. And it's so that you can keep the integrity of the message that you received. Is that right? Still yeah, doing yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. You know, I just got a list of potential corrections from the publisher for the book that's <laughs> coming out in August. And two of them we accepted, which was the, the words hadn't lacked an S, they, you know, and that was probably just a drop in the transcription. The other the one that was we said, no, you know, yeah. I mean, it comes out as delivered. If it's I keep feeling, you know, if it's mine to edit, it's not mine. It's it's, it's not channeled. You know, right. I make a, a real strong distinction between what's inspired communication and what's channeled. And now I just give what is given. When you channel, can I ask, are you channeling guides? Are you channeling spirit or, or who are you channeling? I work with a, I work with a group. They call themselves the guides. I mean, I call them the guides. That's not true. They never call themselves the guides. My ex, when I told my ex that I did this years and years and years ago, um, you know, they, they, they begin to, I used to hear, ask the guides this, ask the guides that. That's why they're called the guides. But no, they're teachers and they come through to teach. And it's, it's a very consistent vocabulary and energy and teaching. I mean, they've dictated now nine books through me. 
and one builds upon the next and they're not edited and I don't write anything. I close my eyes, I sit in a chair and I talk. And the last five or six books I think were done entirely in front of audiences or mostly in front of audiences. I really can't do it without an active listener. There's always been somebody there to listen for them to speak to. Um, so, you know, when I'm working as a psychic, it's a little bit different. I'm a radio. That's how I look at my skill set. Yeah. I'm a radio. So when I'm tuned into the guide station, they can talk. Yeah. If I'm reading you, I tune into you and your other That's station it. that I tune into. It's, 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 it's a comparable um, experience. The difference is, is when I'm hearing the guides, I'm taking dictation. When I'm reading for somebody, I may get visual information, I may get, you know, I may taste, I may clear out, I mean, all these things come into play. Um, with the guides, it's just, even though it's physical and very physical, I'm told when I do groups, my eyes often turn bright blue when I'm, when I'm working, which is interesting because I don't have blue eyes. But it's very physical. And um, the psychic work has, it's, it's just a different experience. It's right. more interpretive than mm -hmm. direct channeling. When you do your psychic work, do you get symbols or is it just straight through communication? No, I can work with in different ways. There's a lot okay. of symbols. My I, my arms are usually working. Yeah. So if you ask me how you're, if you say, you say I'm dating somebody and how's it going to go and you give me the guy's name, I can step into the guy and if I'm doing that, that means he's already looking at who's next. If my tongue comes out of my mouth, it means he's, desirous of you, you know, um, if his tongue comes out of his mouth and he's looking all over the place, he's desirous of everybody and you're going to have a hard time. So there's lots of symbols, you know, my least favorite is, you know, what's happening in the relationship. And if my scissors come, that usually <laughs> means severance, divorce, separation, uh, but there's a lot of that stuff and a lot of it's hearing, but I just step into people. So, and I've been filmed doing it. It's an, an interesting, it's a really interesting thing. And it's one of the things that helps me trust the channeled work because the channeling is just, it's energetic and it's a transmission. But um, the psychic work, you know, I often step into people and start to resemble them, which is a very different yeah. skill set. Yes, yes. So I like the idea though, that your body, it, you know, you're, even though you're doing the psychic work, it's like it's all happening so naturally anyway, right? Yeah. It's not like this thought process. It's like it's just it's, it's almost channeling no, it's, as well, right? It is. Yeah, well, in a way, I suppose. I mean, I use the word channeling specific in a very okay. specific way to, to work with the books and the lectures are all channeled. The difference is if I were to hear from my guides, which is not something I would likely hear, your lover is unfaithful because they could care less about that kind of thing. But if I'm working psychically, I may not hear that from them at all. But I might have to interpret that because I'll start, you know, pointing at my crotch and looking in every direction, which means there's something else going on. You know wow. what I mean? Yes. And that's interpretive work. Um, or I'll hear him. Or I'll just feel the lack of desire. I'll feel you know, duplicity. Now, I'm not a psychic spy. I always have to say this. That's not really the work I do. I was once on Coast to Coast AM, I think, and some guy said, I think my wife is cheating on me and I've got a gun. Tell me. And I'm going, oh, no, I'm not going there. It's <laughs> not my work at all. Um, right. But I can be of help when there's discord. I can help people broker conversations at higher levels that are usually very, very helpful. When you are, have your team, the guys, the teachers, uh -huh. do they ever change out or has it been the same team all the years? 
You know, I only see and have seen one of them, and that's in meditation or under hypnosis, and it's consistent, and it's a, it's a very interesting experience for me. When that happens, I suspect if I were a better meditator, you know, perhaps I'd see more. But I can tell, and others can tell, the difference in vocabulary. There's one that comes through with a brogue, you know, Scottish yeah. or Welsh or Irish. You know, it's like, what the hell? Um, <laughs> and is a very joyful, loves to hear himself speak, you know. And I like it when he comes through because the dictation's so easy because I trust it. He's, he's the one that talks about singing and everybody's in song and the vibration is tone and... You know, and then there was one book that was dictated, and it was, I think it was called the Book of, I think it was the Book of Truth. And it was a really interesting process because every time I sat down, the lectures felt completely pre-written. Wow. Like somebody was sitting next to me reading what they had written. It was brokered so carefully, meticulous. It was a meticulous dictation. And uh, there was no, no real emotional highs and lows. It was just this very clear thing. And that had one voc vocabulary difference, which made me think it was completely a different guide, because that guide would say dears, which is a word I, I can't stand. <laughs> so we would like to tell you, dears, and I'm going, oh, no, not this. <laughs> no, but it was consistent. And I don't hear, I, I hear it very rarely, yeah. you know. Um, so that was the one differentiation. People who hear me work, and when I do, you know, live workshops, when we were doing those things, and I might be in front of a group for hours over the course of the day, and multiple lectures might be delivered. People can tell the difference, they say, of who's coming through, the people that have been used to watching this, and they can sort of self, I can identify when the energy changes or when the cadence changes. But I have to say, you know, there sometimes when there's resistance in the room, the channeling comes a mile a minute. It's just so fast you can barely keep up with it. And other times it's very elegant. And when you see it transcribed, you can't tell the difference. It's oh. all so consistent in terms of vocabulary and sentence structure and all of those things that I just I just trust it at this point. Do you remember what you channel or you're just done and you don't have a memory of it? No, I, I, because I do this weird thing where I whisper the words as they come. The whisper okay. is the transmission. Then I repeat them. So I'm retaining it because of the repetition. Um, but I retain maybe a third of what I've of what's come through me. And I forget about it as soon as I can. You know, truthfully, when I have to go trans, you know, when I have to prove a transcription for a book, I read it more carefully. But I'm I'm doing so much of this. There's such yeah. a vast amount of material coming forth that it's overwhelming at times. And, um, you know, the books themselves are now thousands of pages yeah. total. And then plus the lectures that I do every week, it's just a lot. So. I retain enough. I get the message. You know, I'm a student of the work. I'm not a spiritual teacher. I don't want to be. I'm not a guru. I have no interest in that stuff at all. I don't yeah. want people's authority. I'm happy to show up and do my work, which is sitting in the chair and hopefully helping people on occasion. Now, when you when you are working and you have to you have to kind of show up to do a channel channeling. Yeah. Do, do you have to get ready? Do you have to set an intention? Uh, is or is it just just happen? It's just like you're already there it's, because they know you're the, the medium. 
I, it's pretty much already there. I mean, it's no real difference than turning a radio dial. It just it takes a millisecond, just one little shift, yeah. and then you have a whole other broadcast. So that's mostly my experience. I tend to use a prayer protection when I start channeling, okay. and I do that because it sets a common field that I like working in. It's a, it's a nice, nice, placid sea to step into, um, and it's useful if there's resistance, you know. But I use the little prayer protection to recede. So I'm sort of imagining myself. I used to say it's like climbing into the back seat of a car and turning the wheel over. That's what I would use that initial prayer for. And then I'll hear one word, one, one, one phrase repeated. It can be the beginning of a sentence. They tell them or, or they need to know or on this day we would like to say, I'll hear it, you know, three or four times. And I'll finally say it. And once I say it, then everything else pours on right on top of it. So that's the beginning of the lecture. And they'll just keep going until they say, stop now, please. You know, that's <laughs> the end of it. And that'll be that's 20 it. minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes into it. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's really interesting. Does the energy, when they're live, mm -hmm. does the energy of the room matter? Like the participants, do they contribute at all to the experience or not necessarily? Well, the guides work with energy and they work with okay. these energetic attunements that work with the readers of the books and with those who participate either in a live stream workshop or in a, in a, in a physical one. It's all the same stuff and you can feel it all. Yeah. Um, when you're in a room with other people and you can have a partner and you can sort of send the energy back and forth, it's kind of extraordinary because people who've never felt energy will often have a large experience of it, which is, and for me, that was terribly important. Once I could feel energy, that meant there was more to the world than I'd been taught. And that was a big opening for me personally. Um, so I, if I can go back to the question, if there's resistance in the room, when I was first starting and nobody knew who I was, and occasionally I'd walk into a, a room and there'd be somebody sitting there like that, like <laughs> prove it or it ain't gonna happen. And I found that when there was enormous resistance in the room, I would get shouty. The channeling would be harder, not harder, but there would be like, it would feel pushed. The moment that person would leave and sometimes they would leave at the break, everything would flow right after. And I'm more of a known quantity now because I've been working consistently for a while. So I tend to face less of that. But I did yeah. a, you know, whenever I do, I did a free workshop online just last weekend. There were, you know, well over a thousand, a couple thousand people there that I know about. And you're often working with people that are very new to this. And every time they work, they're teaching in a one-room schoolhouse where they're bringing everybody up to speed. And it's a little bit different than when I do a workshop and, you know, people have read the books and they know what they're getting into. And, you know, then they'll just dive right in at wherever they're at in yeah. their pattern of teaching. It's like, okay, you're in for graduate school today. It doesn't <laughs> matter if you've been to college, you're going to get it anyway. And nobody gets left behind. They're good teachers, I have to say. They're much better. I used to be a college teacher. They're much better than I ever was. <laughs> wow. So can anyone learn to channel I, you know, I suppose, I mean, I think anybody can learn to play basketball, but does that mean you're a good basketball player? You know, I'm never going to be a basketball player. I'm too old. I'm too heavy. I'm too short you know, to do that game well. But that doesn't mean I can't enjoy throwing a hoop. I think anybody can open up to their intuitive nature. Yeah. When people say they want to channel, I say often say, why do you want to do this? You know, it's it's why, because it's it's not about getting information for yourself. 
really. That's not that's not what this is about. Any true channeling, I think, is teaching. I think there's a fair amount of stuff that passes as channeling that's got other motives attached to it, you know, which are, you know, personal or it's lower sort of astral stuff or it's, you know, the intuition and, and the personality sort of conjoin, sort of trying to work something. And I think everybody is welcome to explore this. But I think if you want to be doing this, the motives are going to be tested. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I mean, it's not been a cakewalk. I'll tell you that. I mean, if you really want to do this stuff, you're going to have to deal with your crap and keep dealing with it. Yeah. It's not a free pass. And I think that's the same true with any sort of spiritual practice. It's going to yeah. bring your stuff up to the surface. Makes makes definitely makes you accountable. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Very yeah. Much so. Do you find that there are people that kind of say they're channeling, but they're really not that you can tell that they're not fully channeling? Do you ever see that? <sighs> I don't watch other channels work. Okay. Um, I really don't. I saw some footage once online of Jane Roberts who channeled Seth back in the 70s. And I completely recognized what she was doing. I got it. You know, I went, that's it. That's what it feels like. That's what it looks like. Other people seem like they're just, you know, at, at a tea party. And I think that's okay. And But the ones that I get conscious about are when somebody's sort of, you know, sitting in a lotus position you know, <laughs> and it's all kind of grand. Yeah. And then I go, you know, it's an odd, it's a very physical, for me at least, it's a physical experience. It just may be where I'm at. Now, there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to be in the world. I think the one, I think this is what I tend to tell people. Intuition's wonderful. All great art is inspired. I believe it. And probably, you know, great religious thought or spiritual thought in any discipline or religious background is probably also sort of inspired stuff. Inspiration's terrific. The difference with channeling is it's not yours. That's right. the difference. So right. if I have an inspired thought, oh my God, I got a great idea. I'm going to write a novel and you've been gifted with the inspiration and then you can use your own craft to realize it. Channeling is its own craft. It's its yeah. own thing. So I'm, but I'm a bit of a Puritan about that. I know people say, oh, I channeled this amazing painting or I, I channeled this music. And what I suspect that means is that they were in a receptive state when they brought it through. But I'm, I'm, I bet you they also chose, you know, the, the color palette for the painting yeah. and, you know, decided what key the song might be written in. Right. Um, there are people that go into trance and do these other things. You know, they don't know yeah. what they painted, you know. So and I, I think that's the distinction. So I think everybody's working in a different way. And some of this is semantics and vocabulary. OK. OK. Now, I, I saw you referred to something called the upper room. Can you yeah. share, please, what the upper room is? The guides say we're living, we're all experiencing ourselves in what they call an octave of, of tone or vibration. So the world we know is in an octave, scale of notes, you know, high to low. And they say that the upper room is the octave above the one that we've been operating in. And they say any piece of music, any song can be transposed to be played in a higher octave. The work that they're doing with their students is lifting them to this level of consciousness. You know, you can call it Christ consciousness if you want to. I don't really think it matters, you know, what it's called. Um, they call it the upper room. Um, and 
you know, they say like any octave, it's got its lows, low notes and high notes. So you're just sort of lifting. So they're bringing this to the upper room, which I'm beginning to understand is sort of a baseline for a lot more experience. They talk a lot about the kingdom and they say that the kingdom is the awareness of the divine in all things, everything. You don't get to cherry pick what's holy. They say all is holy or nothing is. And sort of the realization of this, you know, the realization of the inherent divinity in something, especially something that's been put in darkness, because they say what, what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness, who yeah. you damn, damns you <laughs> back, all that stuff. They're talking about a real recreation of, of, of the world through consciousness through lifting what you encounter to what they call the upper room, which is to the inherent divinity that must be there. And they underline must because they say the divine is the, what informs all things. All matter has one source, which they would call God, if you want to call, use that word. Right, you know, right. That's what I get. I love that. And with this, though, I see that they're really working on the collective with you a lot. I've noticed that yeah. even maybe more and more this collective. Yeah. How how is that working for you? Are they is it more for the healing aspect? Do you think it's moving people forward? Why do you think that that's coming about? Well, I, I think it's necessary. I think who changes the world is who's in the world. And what changes the world is the level of consciousness that's operable in the world. So if you lift the consciousness of people, they're going to be choosing differently and creating differently. With this teaching, the guides actually say that the students, you know, who are working with their stuff become the doorway or the portal to the higher consciousness for what they encounter. So you're, you're operating at a level of vibration or tone where what you do is by nature presence, you're lifting what you encounter to the higher. It's not about fixing things or making things right or righting or wrong. It's really about transformation, or as they would probably say, transposition, yeah. the lifting to the higher, which can only be done by one who's operating at that level of tone or vibration or consciousness. And with you working, Paul, do you, it's very physical, right? Energetically, do you have to watch your health? Do you have to watch your physical health at all, or do you not worry about it? I mean, I worry about it, but not so much because of the channeling. The channeling, okay. I mean, when I was, before COVID, I was on the road. I was yeah. traveling constantly. Yeah. And I enjoyed it, and it took a toll, and I gained a ton of weight. And, you know, I was, you know, sleeping in, you know, airport, you know, lobbies. And, you know, it's like, that's what happens. And now I'm becoming much more accountable to health. Um, on a practical level, the work that I do... The psychic work can be draining mentally because the level of, 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 of focus at times. Other times it's like surfing and it's easy and it's great. Channeling, you know, I used to, the first book that I channeled was done over the course of two and a half weeks of sessions. And I think I was channeling two hours, an hour to two in a sitting. And I won't do that now. I'll do a half hour to 40 minutes. The guides will shut me up after that. Then <laughs> they might take a break and come back and do another one. But there's a level of awareness. Um, but I try to take care of myself. I'm doing, like, you know, I'm in a fast now. I hate it, but it's working. <laughs> I need it. So I'm doing what I can do. I'll okay. put it that way. And, you know, I, I do believe, and I don't know this. I had a, a dear friend um, who passed recently who was a medium who said, yeah, you know, channeling releases chemicals in the bodies. And, you know, and I do know that I'm like hypersensitive. Yes. You know, it's not. It's like just 
Like I used to say, if somebody drops a fork in the next room, that's just mm. it's. And she used to call it psychic burn. My friend Jeanette, psychic burn, like sunburn. It's like yeah. you're that sensitive. And I get that a lot, you yeah. know, and I moved to the rainforest. I was in New York my whole life. Now I'm living in the rainforest. I know. I, you know I, <laughs> and birds. It's really wonderful. It's a, such a relief from my whole system. Like, oh, thank God. Yes. Hearing yes. the siren from the police station next door anymore. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I've been watching your your photos on, on Facebook and you can see, right? I mean, it's beautiful. I, I really do, because you kind of got stuck there <laughs> because of COVID. On Maui, yeah. I yeah. And, but I really yeah. feel like, I, I mean, I can't help but, but think that, that your, your guides, uh, your team didn't have a little, little hand in this. <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing. I, a friend got I me. Mean, I was in Costa Rica when New York City shut down. I was working yeah. and I couldn't go back to New York City. None of us could because the mm -hmm. city was basically in lockdown and I had no place to go. And I don't drive. You know, I was in New York. I was like, where the hell am I going to go? And I could have stayed in Costa Rica. Um, and my travel agent said, get back to the States because you don't you know, it's just getting, you know, and, and, and Costa Rica, they were asking all of the Americans to leave. They were saying, right. get them and explain, we're getting rid of you all. Yeah. So I had a friend who I just decided to, to let know that I was here. I was, uh, who was on Maui. And he said, come to Maui. And he found me a little tiny house to stay in and with a hot plate and, you know, and, and I ended up here, um, and, you know, the guides used to say after workshops, you know, you think you need to go home, but you don't. You're choosing mm -hmm. to go home. And I just never went home. I still haven't been back. Yeah. I gave up my apartment in the city. I have a house here now that I love. And I'm very grateful. But when I go back to the circumstances of my coming here, my friend, Brent, who is the one who invited me here, was first a client. And, you know, I usually will ask, um, this is years ago, before I, I read somebody, what do I need to know? And it'll often be like, tell them the truth or have a sense of humor or keep it, keep it gentle. And when I, when I read for Brent, the guide said, you need to trust him. And I was like, what? <laughs> huh? And I, and I told him that I said, I don't know why I'm hearing this. And it seemed to make a big difference, but you know, over the years we, we became friends. So I'm very grateful. And I do feel the guides had a big, big stake in getting me here. You yeah, know, absolutely. It it's kind of interesting. A thought just popped in a little bit like a, a Wayne Dyer, right? It's almost like I wonder if there's just this this whole new channeling that's going to happen with you because all the books. Let's let me show them the books because you've got sure. all these books and I'm noticing like we've got part one, part two, part three. Yeah. So they're all kind of coming out this way. You kind of started with one book, right? And then, but now yeah. they're giving you these series. So I keep feeling like it's yeah. going to keep growing and evolving, right? Yeah, I, it is. I agree to another trilogy, you know. Yeah. I, <laughs> the guides the guides said when they dictated the first book that it was part of a trilogy. Yeah. And I was like, you know, but I didn't even, you know. Well, I, I, the whole, I mean, the guides also said it was going to be published and it was going to be the first publisher who read it and don't haggle. That's what I was told. <laughs> and it was the first part publisher who read it. And I think I was paid $5,000 for the book. And I'm very grateful. Yeah. Um, but I had the right publisher and the right editor and they didn't change words and they, they stuck by the integrity of the work. And then the others just came. Yeah. Um, and they continue to come. And I'm kind of hoping that this next trilogy is enough 
you know, because I wouldn't mind. I mean, I don't mind channeling books, but I, it's like every year there's another, you know, it just it just means I have to clear the slate and create. Yeah. Now I have to create a way to bring the book forward with an audience because I'm not on the road. So right. a number of the books were just done when I was in a five-day retreat at Esalen. They'll do 80 pages there, a five-day retreat someplace else, and 100 pages. Okay. So now I have to create a different a different way to do it, but it's fine. It can be. I did the last book with a group that I convened online and people that were there for my live stream series and the yeah. whole book in front of them. Well, I noticed even on Facebook, you you do the channeling there as well and is posting there on topics, which I find really interesting. So even on your Facebook, yeah. people can get the experience. Yeah, I mean, we we try to make, you know, content, which is, you know, uh, recordings of, of lectures. Sometimes I'll actually read a transcript so people don't have to suffer through the whispering and repeating. <laughs> it makes some people, I don't care, it makes some people crazy yeah. the way it comes through. Um, but we try to make the stuff available. There's a lot of stuff online now that's just available for people who are interested in what this teaching is. Yeah, it's really wonderful. Let's talk about change. You've got this change, a weekly live stream mm -hmm. series. Will yeah. you please share with the listeners what this is? How can they partake and enjoy? Mm -hmm. Well, I do these five evening series, you know, once a week, um, pretty much every month, month and a half, I take a week off between them. So it's an ongoing series. The guides are teaching. I know the title of the series. I don't know the content until it starts. So I can't give you the bullet, the bullet points about what they're going to cover because I, I have no idea. I never know what it's going to be until they start talking. I do know that every series, every class usually has them lecturing on the subject for 20 to 30 minutes, followed by a Q&A where people can ask questions about the teachings or about their own lives. Um, and this is consistent and each class is its own sort of little unit, has its own integrity, but is part of a much larger teaching. So people can join at any time. They can try one class if they like it. They can sign up for the series. Um, and, and that's the change series. So that's the Wednesday night. It's basically the extension of the group that met in my apartment for 18 years once a week. Wow. It's the same thing. We just couldn't do it in my apartment anymore. So now <laughs> we've got, you know, a big group online. I love and, it. Um, yeah, that's the five days. Uh -huh. I love it. And then we've got this uh, other workshop here, Five Night Intensive Birth. Yep. So I love the name of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what is this about? Well, the guides are taking people through a process and once a month, and I've done this since COVID started, I've been doing a five, a five day intensive, much like I would do on the road. And I would just initially did this. So people who'd signed up for workshops that weren't going to happen could have a place to go because everything had to be canceled, but it's become super popular. And the guides are really doing intense work in these things. It's again, a comparable format. They'll usually lecture twice. They'll do energetic attunements. They'll get people working with the energy. And the subject of this is going to be birth, which is recreation, you know, okay. knowing who you are. That much I can say, given the title, but the content will be whatever they decide in the evening they deliver it. Yeah. I love it. You must... You know, such a surrendering that that you do, right? I mean, there, you, you literally have to surrender and trust completely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I'm. You know, I, I they haven't stood me up yet. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna right. knock wood on that. But I think I knew a channel once who showed up 
for a workshop, like a three-day workshop, and the guide, his guide said, we've distilled the entire teaching to 20 minutes. <laughs> That's all they had. Wow. I just sat there. I would, that, if that happened to me, I'd never do it again. I, yeah. It's not fair. You know, I just don't want to do it. Um, but it's, it is every time a little bit like, you know, jumping into a swimming pool and hoping that the pool's been filled. Right. Every time. It doesn't just, really change. And same thing with mediumship. Down, God. Yeah, it's the same thing yeah, with I'm mediumship, sure. right? It's like, Ooh, please. <laughs> and it's yeah. not like you can stack it beforehand. <laughs> you can't. No. Yeah, until it happens. Exactly right. No. But you went from being a teacher in a more traditional sense. And, yeah. you know, what do you think is your best takeaway from this experience? Like, I mean, you know, I just feel like. You had such a traditional path in one way, and then it just took this kind of whole other path. What do you think is your biggest takeaway from from this career, from this experience? Well, everything that I did prior to this supports me in doing what I'm doing now, and I do believe that. And my, my work in the classroom, I was on the faculty of NYU for 25 years. That was really my spiritual practice for years. I loved it. I loved the students. I loved the doing of it. It was its own strange and perfect discipline. And now I do this. And yeah. I feel very fortunate to be able to do this. It supports mm -hmm. me and I have a life that I'm enjoying now. But I still have a creative part of me that's languished. You know, I had been when I was a kid, a writer. And then I had the worst writer's block of anybody that I knew in my life. It was yeah. awful. And I was teaching writing and running a writing program and uh, it was misery. And now I feel that that part of me is sort of, you know, I agreed as part of the next trilogy of books to, to do a memoir as okay. well. So I'll write my own book, you know, and in the next couple of years. And I'm curious to see what that feels like. But my biggest takeaway is that, well, you know, it's possible. If anybody told me that this is what I would be doing with my life <laughs> when I was 20 years old, I would have said, you're out of your freaking mind. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was a rock and I had those pictures of me with my Billy Idol platinum blonde hair, and, <laughs> you know, probably a, a Coke spoon up my nose. I was a wreck. You know, I was a rock and roll bad boy wreck. Sweet. I was a nice kid. I was sweet. But boy, and this is the funniest thing. And, you know, in some ways it all feels perfect yeah. you know that it happened this way but nothing that i could have foretold ever yeah and even this new chapter in my life here on, on maui who knew now i would never have chosen it i went to i went to hawaii once on a blind date years ago and i said <laughs> i will never go back to that state what a mistake that was and now here i am and that right i think sometimes uh as much as we have free will we are also guided and uh, we we also yeah. and i i like to say i don't I, i'm kind of curious you're on your take i like to say you know i you know, I have my own business, but I still have a boss and that boss is spirit. Like that is what it is. Exactly right. <laughs> so it's, you know, we, we really are the messengers and the servants. And do you think though you'll ever, do, do you see yourself painting or do you see yourself doing some fiction writing? Just something where you're completely letting I, go. Yeah. All of that, you know, all of that. I mean, one of the things that I'm going to, I'm discovering here is that I have time for that yeah. and I'm going to have to learn to work with time differently than I used to. You know, here I get up in the morning at 6 a.m. You know, it's like, I never did that in my life, but <laughs> I do. And um, so I've got more hours to fill, you know, in the day. So and I'm enjoying that about it. But 
there are those parts of myself that are, I, as I said, have been sort of languishing, but I think are ready to be expressed again. Yeah, I love it. it. It's it's almost like you're coming into this whole new chapter of your life and this whole new experience yeah. as well. Almost like giving yourself permission to relax and know that know that it's doing what it still needs to do. Right. Yeah. You know, I didn't know this, but I just ended like, you know, I'm not a big astrology guy, but I just ended my my Saturn return. So all of this sort of seems to make sense. Like, okay, okay here we are. This is the next chapter. And yeah, unexpected and unknown and exciting and hopeful. All yeah, at the same time. it is very exciting. Do you find that the the psychic work and the channeling both, do you feel that it creates healing for the recipient? I hope so. Yeah. I don't think I could do it if it didn't. You know, yeah. I don't that isn't that people are going to get what they want affirmed by this. I don't think this is a convenient teaching. It's not the teaching on how to get a better looking partner, or yeah. um, you know, a, a fancier condo. It's just not that teaching. Some days I wish it was, but it's not. And um, but it is a teaching about becoming who one truly is at the cost of who we thought we were, who we thought we were supposed to be. And with that comes its own gifts. You know, yeah. the guides say you move to a place where you're not even asking anymore because you've moved just to receptivity and to, to trust. It's a whole other way of operating, which is new to me, and I'm just beginning to really experience it, and I'm finding it fascinating that it actually happens. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's what I know. I love that. When is the next book coming out? August, early wow. August. Um, the next book is called The Kingdom, and it's Ooh. the end of the trilogy that began two years ago with, um, you know, real, the book of realization and then alchemy mm -hmm. and now the kingdom. So, wow, that's, that's going to be uh, St. Martin's. Yeah. Yeah. St. Mm -hmm. Martin's. I know you gave them a shout out as well. So it looks like they've kind of, uh -huh. they've been a big supporter of your work. I, I know I'm not allowed to yeah. say your work, uh, <laughs> uh, but a big supporter of the endeavor of, of, the channeling and spirit. Do you have a favorite book out of all the books? Do you have a favorite? Some days I, I actually really like alchemy. The last book. I mean, it was, it, I was going through a hellish period and it was channeled and I kept thinking this isn't going to make sense to anybody. And <laughs> it's a really wonderful, readable, helpful, practical book that really does speak about moving through challenge in a, in, in a high way and letting go of the old. And that's what I was really having to face while that was being dictated. My whole world was getting rocked. Um, my old stuff was coming up, up and sideways. And I was, and, you know, it was like being in a tornado of your crap. Yeah. And in the middle of it, they deliver this beautiful book. So I like that one a lot. And then an early book, which is called The Book of Knowing and Worth, I think is really beautiful because it really speaks to the parts of us that believe ourselves to be unworthy of the divine. And they say, you know, we, we don't claim what's truly ours because we've been told we're not worthy of it. And they really sort of go there with us, I think, in a way that's very, very gentle and loving. That's really it's so powerful as well. Right. How many times do we just limit our own potential? Absolutely. And, yeah. You know, we just kind of go through life with fear, these worries. And and again, just mm -hmm. working with spirit, not only, you know, is it helping the recipients, it does help us you as the channeler because yeah. we got to peel away the layers <laughs> yep it's like do. therapy <laughs> it is yeah 
So what is the thing, if, if you had to say, what, what are you most grateful for now in your life? What's the thing you're most grateful for now? That all the terrible things I worried about so much really haven't happened. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> it. Yeah. That, you know, I'm such a, I've been a warrior my whole life. It's so funny that this became my work. I'm, you know, I yeah. taught myself how to worry when I was five. My father had, uh, who died, you know, when I was five, my father had lines in his forehead. I said, how do you get those, those lines? He said, oh, from worry. So I had to teach myself how to worry, which was a, a big mistake, but I got very <laughs> good at it. So I'm glad that um, that seems to be receding. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for all of it. You know, yeah. I'm grateful that I don't know yet that I'm still, you know, I'm still in the unknown. I'm still waiting for my own knowing to come in fully. But I'm I'm trusting, I suspect, more than I ever have. And I, so I'm grateful for that. I know one thing you can tell just from the look in your eyes that you love your fur baby. Uh, so yeah. you can, it's like, I, I think that little thing just melts your heart. <laughs> it's, it's, great. it's, it's great. What, what's her name? Her name is Lily. Lily. That's right. Is, is, Lily, yeah. is she kind of a bulldog? Is that a French? She's Frenchy a Frenchie, or? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a little Frenchie. Do you feel that she... I think animals can be very spiritual. Do you find her to be a little, little spiritual herself or just <laughs> what's her personality like? You know, she's really mellow. She's really thoughtful. She's really bullheaded. <laughs> you know, she's a tough gal. You know, she's a <laughs> tough little gal. And um, she goes after what she wants. And she's sweet with me. We've had, you know, when I first had her, I was on traveling so much that I would only see her half the month. She would yeah. shuttle between me and, and a sitter. And we've been together. I had her sent to me from New York where she'd sort of been through COVID with a sitter um, because I couldn't go back and get her. And she was sent out here in October. So this is really the first time we've had, you know, uninterrupted playtime. So we're, we're enjoying it. And she's a city dog. And she was cooped up in an apartment for, for 10 months during the lockdown. So she's got a lawn now and she runs and she ran away and had to be brought back. And oh. so we're having to learn all these new things now yeah. to keep her uh, to keep her because she's so excited to explore. Yes. She's a good little dog. Gosh, she, I wonder if she's an Aries with that personality trait. <laughs> When's her her birthday's in March? I don't know what March. See, is. all right. So if it's uh, it's if it's March twentieth uh, or after, she's an Aries. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. She's but, in there I, I was. You're describing her, and I was like, that sounds like me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not I don't do astrology either. I just happen to be an Aries. So I was like, "Ooh, that sounds familiar." <laughs> well, listen, I I am so grateful and honored that you you took the time today. I really appreciate you joining us and then, you know, just sharing your insight and your wisdom and your experience and uh it's always just such an honor to have you here with us. Oh, thank you very, very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. And uh, everybody can find you at paulselig.com and on Facebook as well. Are you on Instagram? Mm -hmm. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. There we go. And, you know, I'm so happy for you. I, I just feel like just from what I, you know, I see, 
you just seem to be at such a place in your life that there seems to be a lot of peace and ease and just joy. And I'm, I'm very excited for you to have that. I just love the place that you have. It is amazing and beautiful and, and truly serves as an inspiration. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, you have a wonderful morning. Have a wonderful day. And I look forward to having you back on with us. Thank you. Bye, Paul. Thank you for listening to The Colby Rebel Show. Be sure to follow Colby on social media at Psychic Rebel. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please head on over to iTunes to leave a review to help Colby grow the tribe. Colby is an international psychic medium, teacher, best-selling author, and speaker. She is a master teacher of the Lisa Williams International School of Spiritual Development and is the owner of the Colby Rebel Spirit Center in Los Angeles. Visit ColbyRebel.com.